Let's discuss with Meg Duke is supported by Yumble. Y'all know I do not have the best eating habits, always a work in progress, and I want to make sure I don't pass that along to my kids. Yumble has options for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and with a Yumble meal, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning, so that's time you can spend elsewhere. Taste tested with over 50,000 children, Yumble meals are delicious and healthy, backed by nutrition experts, and help create a healthier dynamic at mealtime. Use code LETSDISCUSS50 for discounts on your orders at yumblekids.com. Your mental health is your dopest self, but you don't have to tend to it by yourself. Get a tribe, get inspired, and you'll get ahead. Get someone to talk to, don't keep it bottled in. You're beautifully human, you should remember this. So it's okay for you to feel emotions. At times we all need to clear our heads. And when you do, just holler at Therapy by Meg. is a registered provisional psychologist and doctoral student in Alberta, Canada. She has been working in the trauma field for almost two decades, supporting those in domestic violence, sexual assault, childhood sexual abuse, and tragic losses. After her best friend went through birth trauma five years ago, Tila decided to dedicate her doctorate to shedding more light on this area. Little did she know she would encounter her own birth trauma just a year and a half ago by way of midwifery violence and an excessive postpartum hemorrhage that almost took her life. Since then, Tila has become passionate about the world of birth trauma, and she began fast-growing Instagram account, The Tea on Birth Trauma, as a way to break the silence, shed light, and offer a space to speak to an issue that, according to research, impacts one in three women's experiences. Everyone, please welcome Tila. Hello! Hi, thanks so much for having me. It is my absolute pleasure. Um, I always like to start out by asking people how we know each other. I really, I keep saying this and I never do anything about it. I need to get a new intro because most people, it's because I've DM'd them. So um, I have been following you for a while on your Instagram, as I mentioned um, in your intro, and you were gracious enough to come on and say hi. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm really looking forward to being here. And I, I just, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the things like we were saying right before we hit record is that it's an interesting word to say like excited to talk about birth trauma but there's, like there's so much value to this conversation so I'm looking forward to it it is you know if you don't mind a quick tangent I actually just rebranded my private practice to amplify wellness mental health because I'm so passionate about amplifying mental health and, and getting the word out and decreasing the stigma and normalizing people's feelings and it's just so important and yeah it, some of these are really tough topics and also it does bring us so much joy to be able to talk about the things we're passionate about yes absolutely uh, yeah so tell me how you decided to get into psychology oh boy okay so this started originally I was actually going to be a lawyer so I that's hey. like a little tidbit about me um I grew up thinking that that's what I wanted to do because I've always been passionate about wanting to support victims of crime mm -hmm. and so I actually grew up in a home and not to get into too many details but I have significant complex PTSD myself uh with my own childhood so mm -hmm. I grew up in a home where there was domestic violence um my mom almost lost her life to uh, the hands of my father there was addiction that he was struggling with. I've actually been parentless since I was 25 years old. So I've dealt with a lot of trauma and grief and loss. And so from a young age, I just became passionate about supporting other people. And initially I had wanted to take that into law. And then I was <laughs> set into uh, being a lawyer, like was headed into law school and passed my LSAT and was like, I don't like lawyers. I don't think I want to do this. How about that? 
Yeah, it was, I'll actually never forget the class that ended up deciding that for me. And I just realized that victims um, did not have a voice within our legal systems. It doesn't exist. And so I thought to myself, well, I can do a lot better work outside of the court systems. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I decided to pursue um, being a psychologist is wanting to help people through, through trauma is mm-hmm. what it's up to yeah amazing yeah and I saw it obviously in the in your bio that I had read talking about your friend's birth trauma your own birth trauma that really helped guide you into the role that you're in now yeah so yeah around five years ago my best friend Christina um she had just given birth to her daughter and I was sitting across from her um you know came to meet Lucy and see how she was doing and Christina just broke down crying in front of me um, and could barely find her words and then described her birth to me. And I just sat there stunned. I wasn't a mom myself at that time. And I didn't know that those kinds of things took place during birth. And so we right. got to talking about it more. And she said, like, no one talks about this, but it happens a lot. And so I started to look into this and realize that that was the case, that all of these experiences were taking place, but nobody felt like they had the space in the room to really speak to it. And so I promised her at that time, I was actually just finishing my master's then and said, you know what, the day that I decide to do my doctorate, which I knew I would do, I'm going to dedicate it to you. I want to figure out why people aren't talking about birth trauma and just create more resources and research in that area. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how that initially began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And what a, what a powerful moment between you and your friend to be able to say like, nope, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to, yeah. we're going to start talking about it. Yeah. That's really yeah. great. Cause that I think is the biggest thing for a lot of people is that, that isolation that comes from things that happen, it happens. The moment is stressful enough. And then to carry it, to feel like you have to stay silent because people won't understand or something's mm-hmm. wrong with you. You've done something, whatever it might be, the re- many reasons why we isolate and to be able to, to say, no, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, gain, uh, like uh, I think a big thing that people take away from those experiences that creates that sense of isolation is the shame and guilt mm-hmm. around it. Um, because you know, if we have, if we don't have anything but positive things to say about our birth, well, then we shouldn't speak to it. That's kind of uh-huh. the energy that society gives us around that, right? Around gratitude and just that toxic positivity feel. And so, yep. yeah let's break that isolation let's talk about it and like therefore that shame and guilt is really going to start to dissipate well I know that's a big thing that I see a lot of people struggling with I've struggled with myself it's difficult because I you know obviously in my job but also personally people with pregnancy fertility issues where it's like well at least you have a baby at least you know how dare you I was in the hospital and I literally don't I really obviously was exhausted but I don't remember complaining I just remember recounting the long labor and ending up having to have a c-section that was not the plan and i i really don't remember the post being terribly anything but just matter of fact and grateful that my son was there and somebody actually posted on it well at least you get to take your baby home with you from the hospital and i thought first of all unfriended that person <laughs> that energy step number um, one <laughs> yeah and also just like that's a really interesting that somebody felt empowered to have the right to say something like that to an exhausted, literally brand new mother. Um, and again, not, not to defend myself, but I really don't remember it being that yeah. complaining. <laughs> oh, and yeah. even if it was, even if it was, Meg, I, was. I, 
yeah, you're allowed to complain about that. You're allowed to vent and take up space and say that this was the worst day of your life or that you hated your birth experience. But I think it's such an old narrative that we're taught from a really young age, actually, for centuries, really, of that we can only practice gratitude in that regard and that it's all or nothing. That if you don't practice it, well, then again, it's the extreme of you must hate your baby um, if you don't practice that gratitude fully. Mm -hmm. And so I'm proud of you for unfriending that person and recognizing that you because by doing that made you knew that you had worth in what you were sharing and what you were saying mm -hmm. and so sometimes that does mean deleting people from our life that just don't get where we're at absolutely you know all I could think I just remember the moment and even now coming back to me thinking wow if that person is willing to be like that in this moment I can only imagine if I post something about a diaper blowout or mm -hmm uh sleepless nights or both of my children had epic reflux and again of course yes i'm grateful to have babies to be able to spit up on me and also sometimes it's funny to be able to post those things and that's all i could think was like wow this person can't be supportive now i can only imagine where it goes from here and being able to set those boundaries and maintain them are very um yeah. i found them to be very meaningful and and healthy for me for sure um, but yeah, I'm glad, and you mentioned the toxic positivity of it all of like, everything has to be sunshine and rainbows. Everything has to be delight, gratitude, the virtue signaling of it all of, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so grateful to be woken up at three o'clock in the morning. Like, no, you're allowed. That's literally my very first podcast episode ever is you're allowed to be upset that your baby woke you up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's okay. Like maybe yeah. don't cuss at the baby, but people going to be tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's something that I see so much in my therapy space too, is having to introduce what's called dichotomy. I know you know that, Meg, being a therapist is like teaching people that you can hold two opposing feelings at once and that both things can be true. You can both love your baby with all of your heart and hate your birth experience. And the day, you know, that that all transpired, you can hold both of those things. You don't have to choose. But I think so often society teaches us that all or nothing, black and white thinking and those extremes. And it's dangerous. It really is. Because it keeps us in that pit of isolation that we were speaking to at the beginning there. It does. That's absolutely very true. Because those thoughts will naturally occur. And then you feel this external pressure to not speak to them. And so then it all just ping pong balls around in your own head and it becomes very toxic, um, stagnant. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm just here to validate that for everybody as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, how do we even recognize when we've experienced a birth trauma and, you know, that we would benefit from working through it? I think sometimes people don't even really necessarily realize that. And what does that look like? Yeah. I just want to normalize that too, that it's okay if you weren't able to kind of identify at the beginning that that's what you were experiencing because we're in the thick of trauma at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so we're in that fight, fight, flee, or like fight, flight, freeze, fawn. You know, there's so many Fs now. I've heard of yes. flooding. I've heard of funny being introduced now. As really? Well. Yeah, actually just in supervision yesterday with my supervisor, we were exploring this new version of funny and how in people's sense of humor um, comes up during that trauma response as a way to navigate and that that's yes. been off a of fawn. And so I just want to normalize for folks that it's okay if initially you just didn't 
uh, recognize that, or maybe you're still in the midst of recognizing it. But you know, birth trauma is very subjective, and what we mean when we say that is that um, people get to define their experience and what it means to them. Mm-hmm. And so there is no cookie cutter version of birth trauma. It looks so different on every single person that I see, and that that's okay. And yeah. so sometimes we think birth trauma is only if you almost died, and that's it. Right. Know, be this grand moment like on tv or in a movie and it's like uh-huh. no so often what women speak to and birthers is just like that it is how they were made to feel within those yes. moments mm-hmm. that made greater impact and so you're looking for trauma symptoms if this is you know something that you think that you're dealing with then it's you know nightmares and flashbacks and dissociation anxiety as well as that shame and guilt i was speaking to you know struggles with bonding with your baby i want to normalize that as well mm-hmm. and sex and intimacy issues so these are all kind of the warning signs that what we may be experiencing is birth trauma but again like you get to define that but also so is your nervous system and your body defining yes. that we don't have a choice <laughs> this isn't a choice to be like i have birth trauma <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have birth trauma yeah right? like it's giving us all of those warning signs those symptoms that i just spoke to yes well and i think too with that the trauma olympics is that what i uh, the expression i like to use of like we don't need to participate in the trauma Olympics. It You don't have to have won a bronze, silver, or gold medal. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. Your trauma is trauma, and it's important and meaningful to you. And that that's the struggle that I have with a lot of people is getting them over that hurdle. Sorry to continue the metaphor, um, track and field. But, but to <laughs> say, like, just because you know somebody who almost died or had emergency surgery or insert other traumas here, and you feel like that's air quotes worse, that doesn't mean that yours is not also very meaningful to you and impactful and that your body is also letting you know that something is going on. So yeah. it's all a very personalized thing and also very normalized and, and you deserve to take up that space as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I, I'm constantly dealing that in with that in my therapy room as well. And on my page, I'll have people message me and say, like, they often start off by saying like, my, I know my birth trauma isn't as bad as other people's. Yes. And yeah, people feel like they have to apologize. It's like, hold on here. Like, and it's always the first thing I address with those messages Mm -hmm. or person sitting across from me is like, hold on your story matters as much as anybody else's Mm -hmm. like this like you were saying this isn't a competition Mm -hmm. um there is no hierarchy of pain within birth trauma like we're all suffering here we're all struggling in this together Mm -hmm. absolutely yes um yeah that i i find people apologizing to me as though they feel they're wasting my time (laughs) and i shouldn't laugh but it does it does make me think of that too the laughing this is this is a tangent but i'm reading back um, I think of laughter in the form, in the face of adversity, in the face of trauma, in the face of uncomfortability is like the Chandler being in friends character. Um, like, <laughs> like I'm not good with the advice may interest you in a sarcastic comment, some cheese. Like there's an episode where like somebody comes in and is like, Hey, Chandler, tell a funny joke. And, you know, and also side note, if anybody has not seen yet the Matthew Perry special on his addiction and recovery, please run and see that Diane Sawyer interview. No, I haven't watched it yet. He has been working in recovery for a very long time and and helping other people. This is way off topic, but he has been working in it for a very long time and already helped a number of people. But this will really help people too. Again, talking about normalizing, like 
the guy from friends has an addiction problem like it let's normalize that as well it's all about normalizing mental health but but yeah bringing that all the point of me saying that was talking about like laughing in the spaces um and not feeling uncomfortable and i do kind of you know i chuckle when people say that they apologize like as though they're wasting my time because they're not worthy of somebody's assistance because it's not that bad and it's like but it's bad enough that you felt like you needed to talk to somebody so here we are yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more yes Mm -hmm. so again apologies for the matthew perry tangent but it did make me think of chandler bing and i also want people to watch that so um so well speaking of kind of the hollywood of it all I know that you've posted about it. I actually did a podcast episode about it and I was thinking about it this morning and I thought, so I was going to actually do a reel on it. And then I was like, Tila's coming on my show today. I'm going to talk about it with her. So I was listening to the Scrubs Rewatch podcast because I love Scrubs, uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. And I'm just giving everybody all kinds of uh, content to consume today, aren't I? But, and they were talking about House of Dragon, House of the Dragon, the House of Dragon, I don't know, the new Game of Thrones. And massive trigger warning spoiler alert if anybody wants to pop over we're not going to go into all the details so if the trigger warning is not that much we will talk about it a little bit if you don't want to hear what happens in the first episode definitely jump through um but i was listening to zach braff and he was saying he's like man did they give some sort of like trigger warning or something and um janelle monique is their producer and she's like no they didn't at all and for me i thought it would have been so nice for them to do like a choose your own adventure. Like if you've never had a birth trauma or find yourself feeling just generally not interested in watching a traumatic birth scene, skip ahead to this time and read this quick excerpt of what generally happens. And if you're feeling up for a gory scene, plug on through. But I thought how interesting it was for me. I was jealous, honestly, um, that Zach Braff was even able to say, how disturbing he felt it was and also to be able to watch it and for me having my own birth experience which was i will say nothing like that and also there but for the grace of modern technological medicine and me not being born in the 1800s go i um i literally my husband introduced me to game of thrones this i think at this right before the start of the second season so we watched the whole first season together and then we mm-hmm. plugged in and that's what we were really looking forward to i can't watch it i literally cannot that scene stayed with me for weeks um intrusive thoughts and i cannot watch i can't even watch the next episode i hear there are more birth scenes later i don't know the answer to that that is not a spoiler i don't know but i just i wanted to be sorry for my long intro but i just really wanted to be able to talk to you about that because for me i am so jealous of the people who are able to just be like yeah that's good tv what else is going on? Like, I, I can't, I can't do it. And I was curious kind of what your experiences have been or conversations that you've had around that. Yeah. You know, this is such a loaded conversation. It's one, honestly, Meg, I could spend a whole week with you talking about. I think so. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it goes back to my work as a sexual assault therapist and how it's been, it's been almost two decades of me not being able to watch scenes like that with where it's like violence like that inflicted on women. Yes. Glamorized in entertainment for folks. And I just like, I can't get behind it. And I very, I am that person who walks out of a space um, even in a movie theater, if I have to, to be like, I'm not going to sit here and be entertained by this moment. Mm-hmm. And so what happened actually, when we watched it, um, 
I think I'll never forget if I'm being honest. And my, my husband and I were sitting watching this and us two, we were so excited for this. So excited. We're dying for this um, television series to start. We had loved Game of Thrones. We were ready. And so the episode was pretty good. And then it got to that scene, to the birth trauma scene. And I just remember the physical reaction that I was having as I was watching it. And as an excessive postpartum hemorrhage survivor, um, you know, it almost lost my life. I had blood transfusions the whole nine yards. Um, I just remember like just my whole body kind of reacting in that moment. And I could feel my nervous system being activated. And I remember looking over at my partner who was sitting like a couple of feet away on the recliner. And I will never forget this moment because I looked over and he had his eyes closed. And it was, this is a, this is a man, okay, who watches the show. So we're plugging all kinds of shows today. We are. Um, content. <laughs> Watch all of these things except for this episode. Um, um, the Boys. So are you familiar yes. with the show? voice okay yes. so, so violent gory funny all like just out of this world kind of tv yeah so this is a man who watches that show and doesn't flinch doesn't think twice doesn't you know just it it's fine to him so this is not a person who and i feel like i need to preface that because it's like this isn't a person who gets like ooh about gore or anything like this he enjoys it but as i sat there and i looked over at him with his eyes closed it really hit me that day, just how much our birth trauma has impacted him mm -hmm. because yes, I was the one hemorrhaging, but he was the one watching it. Mm. He was the one standing there while I laid there watching all of that blood and, and worrying about the fact that he might lose his wife in that moment. And so like, I just, I'll never forget that moment of looking over and saying to him, like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm, no, I'm not. This episode is sponsored by Boogie Board, makers of award-winning reusable writing and creativity products. Say goodbye to messy whiteboards and expensive computer tablets with these super affordable alternatives, perfect for group or individual activities and exercises, including communication for non-verbal individuals and honing fine motor skills related to writing. Best of all, there is no charging necessary, no special pins or markers, and they're easy to store. I love my smart notebook for taking notes in the office so I can write down echo words during sessions with clients, then zoop, delete it all with a tap for full HIPAA compliance. Boogie Board has extended me an additional 5% off with my code Let's Discuss, which will apply to on top of their current 20% off sale on their smart notebooks for a total of 25% off. Best of all, this code will also get you 5% off everything else on the site. Check out all they have to offer and make your practice the best it can be at myboogieboard.com. Let's Discuss is supported by Mom and Bras. With a wide range of bras and bralettes available for chest feeding and pumping, Mom and Deck combines the functionality you need with style and comfort. My favorite is the Do Anything Bra, the perfect bra that supports chest feeding and pumping in one truly lovely and comfortable bra. Visit us.momanda.cc backslash let's discuss and use code let's discuss for 10% off your entire order of $40 or more. Yeah. No, and it's just like, and just bringing to mind the fact that like partners are absolutely impacted by birth trauma as well. And we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about birth trauma, never mind, you know, the impact that partners have that are witnessing these moments. 
that yeah. are vividly emblazoned in their minds, mm-hmm. you know, in a very different way from ours, actually. Yes. And, you know, if I could also, we are just all over the content today. I had to stop watching the boys. This is, this is, I probably should go back and keep watching it. But there was a scene where one of the women was trying to breastfeed a pump and she was not able to. And I'm, I'm very lucky. That's not a problem for me, but for some reason I was so emotionally attached to that scene. I started crying because there are so many people who can't produce milk. And I was like, well, this has just ruined that show for me because that's all I can think about now. And this was obviously years ago. We still lived in Houston at the time. But just, it's funny how the smallest little things about birth and parenting and the body, the postpartum body and everything can be so triggering. Um, And I have to imagine somebody on that, the boy's staff knew what they were doing when they wrote that because I think the line that she said something was like this baby will have my breast milk if it's the last thing I do or something like that and Mm -hmm. so I know somebody somewhere was able to recognize that humans have struggles with that and it's important and I don't want to say that we can't talk to anybody Mm -hmm. about anything oh somebody just rang my doorbell my dog's gonna bark you're okay (laughs) um sorry about that um I, I I do think I don't want the pendulum to swing so far that we can't talk about anything ever, but I just, I thought this scene was really interesting. I did read some articles. I don't know how, how true it is, but in following the overtone of Roe v. Wade in the United States, initially it was supposed to kind of be glossed over that she was supposed to just have, again, uh, spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear what happens in the first episode, click ahead 30, that she was supposed to die in childbirth, that the baby was supposed to pass as well. Um, and it was, there wasn't like a daily scene by it, just kind of mentioned in the funeral and whatever. And then I guess apparently the producers and the writers got together and they were like, no, we need to show people what forced birth looks like. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the goal of it was. I don't know the energy behind it. I do wish somebody would have just put out a notice of like, it's going to be a problem for you. Here's a brief synopsis. Please don't watch that because um, Honestly, it was, it is. I don't think that's true. I really don't. I think that that was like clickbait, like in terms of that somebody decided to run with that idea and that concept and say that that's why they did it. If that was intentionally the case, like, first of all, if you, if, if we kind of Google even like when our, like the house of the dragon was filmed, it was filmed before that decision was made. Right. And so also, like, if that was really intentional for them, I feel like they would have spoken to that in some way. Like, I, that's what, yes. Yeah. Saying like this, you know, this, this episode was to bring to light, blah, 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 you know, this, this decision that was made. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think it's dangerous to say that because like, I, I just think it was for sensationalism and that uh, regardless if it was for that or not, it needed to come with a trigger warning. <gasps> Oh, sorry. He agrees. Your dog agrees with me. And so like right after that took place, the moment with my husband, I immediately got online and warned my followers and said, listen, if you, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know what happens, skip my next story. And then I said it. And I'm not joking, Meg, when I said that I was flooded with hundreds of messages Mm -hmm. people either saying how deeply impacted they were watching that episode or just thanking me for giving them a heads up saying like oh like I'm an emergency cesarean section survivor hemorrhage or like I lost my baby and like thank you for warning me about this so it just like it's just 
takes two seconds, two seconds to put a trigger warning. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, I don't think either one of us are saying this content shouldn't exist. We're mm -hmm. saying just give people a heads up. Yes. Yes. That is exactly right. I do. I genuinely wish that I could have known what happened that she passed and the baby passed and that is upsetting and been able to move forward with that knowledge because really i don't know i suppose the the relationship between the daughter and the father was impacted by the choice but still anyway speaking a nice little choose your own adventure of some sort would have been uh nice so i appreciate you sharing that because i agree i don't want to be i'm not in the business of censorship I also am in the business of making sure that people feel respected and empowered and not, and no one's forced to watch an HBO show, but like not subjected to something that they don't know is coming. I think it's very helpful for us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I was actually really interested in one of your posts. I have a number of your posts that I might, if we get around to it, but um, how mom brain might be birth trauma brain, because I hear so many people talking about mom brain or they're even kind of like belittling themselves or disparaging in some way. And I, I like to inform people about kind of the neuroscience behind everything that's gone on with your body and versus just, oh, I'm dumb now. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mom brain. And I think it's, you know, it's also legitimate too, like in terms of how our brain changes after, like during that yes. postpartum period. And then you add on that layer of birth trauma and the impact on the brain there. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're going to forget things constantly. You're not always going to make sense. You're going to find communication difficult and problem solving. And like, because those parts of the brains just took a, like a really big it. Yes. And so, yeah, I think in those moments, um, I'm finding that the more and more psych like real psychology that I put into my posts, sometimes I get nervous about doing that. Cause it's like, you want to make it digestible for the people listening or like reading it. Um, but I think it's so empowering, like to actually have the science behind why you have these trauma symptoms mm -hmm. um, it's empowering and it's giving people the language um, and the ability to understand themselves in a different way and to detach from that self-blame that they're constantly turning over in their head it's like oh this isn't actually me this is my trauma brain that is you yes. know creating these situations or handling specific moments in this way mm -hmm. absolutely i just it it goes back all to that self-judgment self-blame the trauma olympics i'm not worthy of somebody's time it's not that big of a deal it all really brings back to that i think it's so helpful when people can see it feel normalized and to be able to understand you haven't done anything wrong it really genuinely is something that's going on and it's not to say that you'll never have a sharp memory again just recognizing where you are and and working on the way that you're dealing with things as, as they come for sure um and then the other one I wanted to talk about for sure was the nine things parents want you to know about uh, birth trauma and prematurity and like NICU visits and all of that. Um, what was kind of your inspiration and motivation behind gathering all that information for one of your one of your posts? You know, I work really closely with a lot of NICU moms. Mm -hmm. And so I feel very connected to that community. I do with all birth trauma survivors, but I would say like a large portion of my client load is that. And so it's just um, 
that community is something else truly. And I'm not a part of it. I'm not a Nikki mama. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my daughter, Livy, uh, the closest I came to that was she had jaundice. And so mm -hmm. she spent 24 hours under light therapy in an incubator. And that was hell. That was absolute hell for me to, sure. be able to touch my child, to hold her, to console her while she was crying. So that was my tiny taste of being a NICU mom. And, um, but I just think I just have so much admiration for that community because their life is turned upside down and whether it was for a few hours or a few days or for a, a lot of people's a few months and trying to like I just can't imagine what like waiting you know nine months to be with your little or under nine months if it's premature and then having that moment come and not be able to parent mm -hmm. and be taught how to parent and right so I just like I I worry about the parents so much after birth trauma when it comes to NICU babies and premature babies because they're forgotten. It goes back to those statements of at least the baby's healthy now. Oh, you're both home now. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. The baby's fine. Like what's there to mm -hmm. worry about? All of those things. And it's like, yeah, but the parents' trauma often waits until they're home because mm -hmm. in their own home that those trauma symptoms will often appear. And then where's the support? Where's, um, yeah, where's the help then? So I like to be a voice for those parents and say, we cannot forget them. We can't. Yes. Um, we, they need to be at the forefront of our, of our thought systems and our organizations and all of those things, because they are the ones parenting that baby that everyone's so worried about. Like, I don't worry about the babies often. I don't, because I know a whole team is someone's doing that. Yeah. But what about the parents? Yeah, absolutely. And I loved in one of your, one of your slides was talking about, because language is just so important. It, it's so important where Again, I'm not in the business of censorship and I'm also in the business of education and making sure that people are expressing themselves in healthy ways and understanding what they say has meaning and power behind it. And so one of the things even was just saying like, to stop telling NICU parents, oh, are you gonna go visit your baby? And it's like, it's not the same as, it's not a visitation. It's not often just sweet little cuddles, though that certainly can be part of it, but it's life altering decisions and choices and seeing your baby struggle and all the things that go on along with that um, and making sure that we're being intentional about the way that we support people is very helpful. Yeah, I pick on language a lot on my page and that goes back to being a narrative therapist and mm -hmm. just the power of language and the way in which it's delivered. You can wreck a person with that or you can build them up. And so, yeah, we really have to watch the way we say things to people as they're grieving and trying to heal from trauma. Yes, absolutely. I think it's just, it's very helpful. Um, and, you know, the idea of going back and forth, I'm very lucky as well. My children, neither one were in the NICU, the idea of going back and forth from the NICU and taking the fear and the anxiety and the worry with you and um and then feeling the anxiety while you're there as well and everything that goes along with that so i thought it was really helpful um for people to be able to see those things that was from what is today i think it's from november 2nd so if anybody wants to go see the tea on birth trauma that was uh, from november 2nd that post that i'm referencing here so for sure um yeah so I wanted to discuss reclaiming your story after birth trauma. What what made you, how did you come to decide on the, the workshop? How, what was this process like creating it? How did that go? Yeah, it's, you know, this is a perfect segue to what we were just talking about because yeah. um, 
one of the modalities that I practice, so I do EMDR, that's a, a big one. I'm a clinician trained in that and I've done like advanced training in EMDR, but at the very heart of who I am as a therapist is narrative. And so narrative's motto is like, the, the problem is the problem, the person is not the problem. So it really helps to destigmatize mental health, to help that individual to externalize and see the problem as out, something that's outside of them. Because when we do that, there's more likelihood of us being able to gain control over it and kind of reclaim our lives. So I use that language of reclaiming actually a lot. Mm -hmm. And so when I thought about doing the workshop for the reclaiming your story after birth trauma, I wanted, um, like, I'm a, I, I, I don't, I often don't call myself a therapist, but instead I say like, I'm a story keeper because oh, I love that. Yeah, that's really what we're doing. Right. In those spaces is that we are listening and witnessing and honoring people's story and the way in which they are telling that story to themselves deeply impacts their healing from trauma. Mm -hmm. And so so much of how it gets colored is that they failed. That's like usually the biggest narrative that comes out of birth trauma is self-failure. And so if we can rewrite it and reclaim it and, and make that story different, even though it's already taken place. And it's not, you know, at the beginning of my workshop, I really preface that going back to toxic positivity, it's not about like thinking like, oh, this was meant to be, and this is just our story and those oh, things. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're going to toss that out the window. What this really is, is reclaiming yourself within mm -hmm. that story and how you view, um, yeah, your role in it and how that all unfolded. So I just wanted to give people the tools to see themselves in a different light. So that was like the big inspiration behind it was my love of, of narrative therapy and just knowing that story is really what's at the root of all this. Amazing. Yes. I, you know, I think that's such a beautiful thing too, the, the narrative therapy piece and allowing people that, again, that space to take, like, I'm taking up this space. I'm sharing my story. My story is important and valid and deserves to be heard. Um, again, not that it's so interesting though. I want to be clear about my language, not that I'm telling people that they're allowed to, but I think people do come in as we talked about timid and apologetic to take up space. And so it's helpful in this times to be able to do that for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They don't think they're capable of it or that they should, or, um, yeah, or they feel ashamed to. So yes. Yeah. So rewriting is so that that workshop was incredible. I don't think I'll ever forget that experience. Yes. Um, yeah, it was it was really beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. So obviously everyone's story is so different, but have you noticed anything kind of any common threads or themes in working with the perinatal population that you feel um, you've recognized kind of over time? Yeah, I think um, the more and more work I do in the birth trauma world, I'm really recognizing that it's it's grief and loss. Mm -hmm. that's, that's actually what I'm dealing with here is that, um, and the loss, the, it's like an endless list. It's this cascade of reasons that people are grieving when it comes to that birth experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the more I connect with grief and loss in that space, and give them the opportunity to really speak to that. I'm finding it really, really powerful for people. Mm. Um, so that's one of the biggest common threads I've noticed. Is, yeah. Is the grief. yeah. 
You know, one of the things that I've, I've seen and talked to people about is like, um, you know, when you have a traumatic birth situation, kind of even the, the birth photos is one that people feel are, they feel like it's, I don't like to use the word, but it's like, oh, it's so silly of me to be concerned. It's just a photo. And it's like, but everybody else has these beautiful, this memory encapsulated of this moment that for a lot of people was not a traumatic moment. And for you to, you know, it can be something like that. It doesn't have to be a physical trauma. Things that were important to you that didn't go the way that you had envisioned or hoped, the loss of that dream, that vision. Um, it's If it's significant to you, then it's important. And, and being able to talk about that and speak through it can be healing and helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a week or two ago, I made a post about that saying like birth trauma robbed me of so many photos I'll never get again. Like I'm a one and done mama. Um, it's really dangerous for me to try and have another baby. Like, I don't know if I would make it this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are so many moments that I grieve around that. Like there are so many photos and videos that I'll never get to recreate. Like when, like, yeah. And that's, that's really sad. And so in that post, I was normalizing that these are not small things. These, Mm. and they feel silly, right? We feel silly or stupid or ridiculous for complaining about them to go back to that statement you made before about like complain. It's like, Oh, you get to take up space about that. These are, um, these are moments we're taught from a really young age to, to go after and acquire and achieve. Yes. Yeah. And then when they don't happen, it's that also that societal influence and pressure and expectation also adds another layer to our experience because we were told these were the photos you have to get and treasure. Yes, absolutely. I, I remember seeing that post and just thinking, yes this is, this is another, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be too much of a cheerleader for you, but I just really love all the things <laughs> that you come so up much. with, <laughs> the things that you come up with to share, because it's so validating for people who, who do feel like they don't have the space to take up, and, and it's, it's great to see that, so I really do appreciate that, and um, so where can everybody find you? Yeah, so they can find me, um, I also wanted to, if it's okay, I wanted to share just a little bit um, cause I released information about it today too, about, oh, please. My, yeah, about the wellness retreat that I, yes. doing. Yeah. yeah. So it's called the balance after birth trauma wellness retreat. And so it's very much like a passion project for me. I'm not getting paid from this. Uh, I'm doing it solely volunteer and I have been for months now. And so it's taking place May 12th to 14th of next year, 2023 in Canmore, Alberta, which is just gorgeous. Like it's absolutely a stunning location. And no matter where your location is in the world, you can you can go. And so there's actually only 11 spots left and registration is January 15th, 2023. Okay. And I'm really proud because I've been busting my ass. Can I say ass on here? Oh yeah, this is the same space. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Um, I've been busting my ass um, with getting sponsors and donations to try and lower the cost. And so the initial cost was gonna be $1,500. And I've got it down to 950 for wow. yeah, so I'm super excited. And I also um, found sponsors to um, sponsor two birth trauma survivors for free. So that 
that uh, giveaway just took place last month, which was just like all kinds of emotions when that happened. But to anybody listening who wants that sense of community and connection, that's purely why I'm doing this Mm -hmm. is to just give people a space to gather and to take care of themselves and learn like new tools and techniques on how to do that. So just want to share that info with folks. Yeah. Wow. And I bet Canada in May must be really lovely. It's night. Well, it's still a little chilly. A little chilly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I went to a wedding there in July and that was beautiful weather in uh, Muskoka, Ontario. So yes, our summers in Canada are pretty incredible, especially actually in the prairies there. There's something else, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> people can find me uh, first and foremost on my Instagram. So that's the tea. So think of the tea that you drink, the tea on birth trauma, um, and as well as www.theteaonbirthtrauma.com. So I have my website. You can also find me on Psychology Today, which is a really great resource for people just to look into to find out what therapists are in your area. So those are, I'd say, like the three main sources of place uh, that they, yeah, they can find. Amazing. Amazing. Well, and I'll have all of that in the show notes. I just, I thank you so much for the time here today. I, the more that we can say this over and over again in many different ways, I think it really starts to sink in for people that we're allowed to feel how we feel and we're allowed to take up that space. And I always end my show with a quote from Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. And it really applies. You love to, are you a Ted Lasso? I love him. We are really plugging shows today. (laughs) Yes, we are. I do literally, that's how I close every episode, but um, I am about all the content today. So if you ever wanted something to take up some time here, all these shows, but, but I think it really applies here today about if you're recognizing something going on in your body or an emotional trigger or something happening to be curious about it. What is my body trying to tell me? What is my, what is this thought? What are these feelings trying to tell me? Instead of being judgmental, I shouldn't feel this way. I should feel grateful. I should, should, should not judging just out of curiosity. Where, where can I go from here? So to everybody again, be curious, not judgmental. Goodbye. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Let's Discuss with Meg Duke. I'd love for you to write a review of my podcast on your app. And don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification when new content is posted. Take a moment to leave a rating too. You can follow me at Therapy by Meg on Instagram and find Meg Duke LCSW on Facebook. You can also look for Let's Discuss content by searching the hashtag Let's Discuss with Meg. Let's Discuss with Meg Duke is executive produced by David Presley and produced by Meg Duke. Our theme song was written and performed by Antoine McDuffie.